Recently, I was watching a, a kid's show with my daughter, Elsie, who's two and a half years old, and it was about nursery rhymes. And I was watching an animation of the nursery rhyme about the three little pigs and the big bad wolf. Maybe you've heard of that fable. Because this is a fable about three pigs who build three houses of three different materials. And a big bad wolf blows down the first two pigs' houses made of straw and sticks, respectively, but is unable to destroy the third pig's house made of bricks. Now, I'm watching this, and as quick as a flash, I felt the Holy Spirit impress upon me that this is a picture right now of what this pandemic is doing to people. If we can liken the wolf, so to speak, as, as the pressure and the anxiety and the weight of this year and all that it has brought, I wonder if what it has done has revealed to us how strongly exactly are the materials of our faith. Now, we've been focusing on this series in Joshua on the verse, Joshua 24, verse 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want to focus on that one word today, house. And let me invite you to ask yourself a question today that I've been asking myself during this year. What is the house of your life made of? What is the house of your life made of? As the storms of life have been bombarding your house, as the enemy, as it were, has been blowing upon your house, let me ask you, what is left? You see, I really believe this season uh, that we've been in it has really been a shaking, a sifting, if you like, upon the church. And, and it might be that redemptively what this season has taught uh, to some of us is, hey, there are some parts of my life, quite honestly, that are made of sticks and straw. And do you know what? That's okay. Because that's just communicated to us where are some areas where we maybe have uh, put Jesus out, as it were, the home of our lives, and we need to welcome him in. And that's why we're here as church, aren't we? To encourage one another, to serve one another, to love one another, to teach the Bible, to pray together. But maybe we've noticed that some of our lives have been like uh, bricks, which is good. And it's taken actually a storm like a pandemic to realize that. You know, you've gone through the dark soul of, uh, dark night of the soul, so to speak, and you've come to the, out of the other side much stronger, much more dependent, much more reliant upon Jesus. And I'm reminded of uh, those verses in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 3, and Paul is speaking to the whole church here, and he says this, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burnt up, the builder will suffer loss but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together 
are that temple. Now, Paul here gives an architectural picture. He, he's a father and he's like a concerned father and he's really concerned about what goes in to that building. And he emphasizes being a wise builder and building with care and attention. And that building has to have at its core, at its center, at its foundation, Jesus Christ. There is only one foundation to build our lives upon, and that is Jesus, Jesus Christ alone. Gordon MacDonald wrote a, a fantastic book a number of years ago titled The Life That God Blesses. And MacDonald offers a, a great explanation of why the lives of so many people just seem to implode. And he uses the illustration of someone who builds a yacht and this man's only concern in building this yacht is the perception of the other members of the yacht club. He doesn't care about the seaworthiness of the vessel. So this man says, why should I spend my time and my money on what is out of everyone's sight? I never hear anyone at the club admiring what is at the underside of the boat. They only praise what they can see. And so on that day, the yacht was launched and all the people at the yacht club came on board and complimented the boat build on the sails and the riggings and the, and the decks. And they said it was the most beautiful boat that was ever built. The man sailed the boat out over the horizon and was then caught in a storm. And pretty soon the boat's sails were in shreds. The masts were splintered into pieces and the decks were covered with water and the boat capsized. The people in the yacht club shook their heads and said, how could this have ever happened? We never saw it coming. Sailboats never capsized. Everything about this boat was stunning and beautiful. But the problem with this particular boat was the builder never paid attention to what was below the waterline. He never concerned himself with what other people couldn't see. Now, when we see a person's life capsize, you can almost always guarantee this one thing is true. That person did not have enough below the waterline to keep their life stable and upright when the storms of life came and they were hit by a wave. Lives that capsize are almost always lives that are focused entirely above the waterline. I want to encourage you today to be like what we read in Jeremiah chapter 17. I love these verses, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. It is all about our roots, our foundation. Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter two, says this, so then just as you received Christ as Lord, you've become a Christian, now continue to live your lives in him. And here's the key words, rooted and built up in Jesus, in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You know, I just had this moment with Jesus this week, um, just in his presence at night, just literally couldn't move, couldn't help but weep in his presence, and just thinking about him. 
literally that it is all about Jesus. There is none but Jesus. It's all about him. Everything else in life is peripheral to him. If I try and build my life on anything else other than Jesus, then my life will capsize when the storms come. I need to anchor my life in him and him alone. As long as you have Christ, that's all that matters. And I was praying for Jesus just to remove anything, just in a place of, of repentance, remove anything that prohibits intimacy and fellowship with you and you alone. I was praying that prayer of the psalmist, Lord, you know, create in me a pure heart, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit away from me. You know, in this pandemic season, are you more concerned about the circumstances around us and the problems around us? Or are you actually more focused on the presence and the tenderness and the intimacy with Jesus? You know, uh, in my teenage years, I used to go to a church, and as I arrived at the church, they would always hand me a hymn book. And I remember going up to into the pews, and uh, I remember reading the words of this hymn. And as I was reading and singing these, these hymns, it was like it was amplified, it was written in bold, and it was like even at the age of 13 and 14, I recognized that my life had to be built on Christ, the solid rock that many temptations would come, trials, testing, problems, circumstances. Unless my life was rooted, my identity, my hope, my strength, my longing, everything was built on Christ, then I would enter into problems. And so the hymn goes like this, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Have you realized yet this year that all other ground is sinking sand? Friends, we need to build the house of our lives on the cornerstone, which is Christ. And it takes care and it takes intentionality, and it takes time, and it takes purpose and strategy. Have you ever had a rogue trader do some building work for you? I'm sure we all have. I'm sure we have uh, many stories of shoddy tradespeople. <laughs> and commonly they cut corners, and it's only when pressure comes, or the detail is exposed, or bad weather comes, or an investigation happens, that you realize, you know what, this person literally just papered over the cracks. And that is why we must have Christ and his words in these times, like an anchor to our soul, like our lives depend on it. It's there where truth pervades our minds and we get to know God. If you want truth in this world, then get to know God in his word. And you know, it's a strange time in which we live in when it comes to the Bible. Through the history of the Jews until the modern era, the Jews never questioned uh, the inerrancy of the Old Testament. But it was in the 18th century, you know, post-Reformation into the Enlightenment, the ascendancy of human reason, the rise of skeptics and European critics began to attack the Bible. And here we are, a few centuries later, trying to live through the devastating, accumulated destruction of a low view of Scripture. 
and people, great people and scholars have fought the, ba- the battle. But we have a generation now of people who haven't fought that battle. And now in this time, in this season, in this pandemic, we need to raise the flag and declare there is a battle against truth and the word of God. And we need to recognize that that is where our hope is. That's got to be where the anchor for our souls is. And God gave this instruction and direction to the people of Israel as they were about to enter the promised land. We read in Deuteronomy 6, these beautiful words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Do you talk about the Bible when you're sat at home? Over the dinner table when you walk along the road, when you're going for your daily walk, when you lie down, when you get up, when you go to sleep and when you rise, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You see, God's word in this season has to, like never before, instruct and guide and frame our lives in the land. Then it had to be in their hearts and on their lips, when alone and when in company. It was bound to their arms, so to direct their actions. It was bound to their foreheads, so to direct their thoughts. It was on their house door frame, so as to frame all that took place in the home. It was to be on the gates as they left the property to remind them how to live out God's law when they went out to do life and to work. They were a people marked by God's word, marked by God and his presence. That was the way they showed and followed through their love for God with all their heart and soul and strength. And whenever they drifted on the commitment to the law of God, they lost their relationship with God and ended up going after pagan gods and therefore inviting all hell to break loose on the nation. You know, when trouble comes, don't look at the problem. Don't blame God or the church or the devil. Check your foundations. Check your foundations. Am I being obedient right now? Am I being faithful? Am I daily exposing myself to listen to the words of Jesus and living by them? Am I forgiving when someone does something that's awful? Am I being generous right now when I've lost everything? Am I sharing my faith when I'm being rejected? Do I look at Jesus' words on sex and anger and pride and greed and actively obey? Do I look at his words on submission? Do I look at his words on his return when the kingdom hasn't come for me today. And he comes back to this thought. The foundation seems so insignificant, out of sight, unimportant, but it's nevertheless the most important and significant thing of all. Here are some questions about the foundations of my life I've been asking during this pandemic, and I encourage you to do this likewise. What have I been trusting in other than God? What are the idols in my life that have been challenged by this pandemic? How important are the things like my bank account, my health, the health of my loved ones, the success of the church to me? What is the identity of my life built upon? What I do for God or my nearness to him? How can I and we as a church show love and concern for those most in need during this time? How can I live with open hands to God regarding everything in this world? How can I and the church be better at the end of the pandemic than we were at the beginning? If Christ came back today, am I ready? 
If Christ was coming back, if I could guarantee you that Christ was coming back tonight, who would you call? Who would you call to share Christ with? Who would you call to say, look, I love you? Don't wait. Do those things now. Prepare your hearts now. That's what the Bible urges us to do. What is God up to in the pandemic? Concerning the world, no one other than God knows, but make the question personal. What is God up to in my life? And the Lord will speak to you. You see, when trauma comes and hits people, people always look to blame. They always look outside themselves and blame. And we as the church need to look at ourselves. Paul said this, examine yourself to see if you're still in the faith. And self-scrutiny is not a a form of narcissistic self-love, but a challenge to be aware of the state of our soul and our basic beliefs and practices and to see if we're still conforming to the character of Christ and the teaching of Christ. We must keep repositioning and recalibrating to Christ and his word daily, daily. We don't work for our salvation, but we definitely work out our salvation. And I believe this, that no one can sin easily if they are walking closely to the Lord. No one can sin easily if they're daily anchoring their souls and their minds, reading and obeying God's word. People drift incrementally. People are drifting in this shaking and this sifting season. And it's just small steps. People begin to get disappointed and lose hope. Their faith becomes distracted and diluted. They start to listen to the, 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 the opinions and promises of other things and other people. We, we, read, we stop reading the Bible, we stop praying, we stop meeting together in person to worship and we entertain thoughts and actions of self-preservation. Actions that we once would have resisted and repented of and we're just like letting happen. I want us in this storm to have an anchor which is Christ and a love for his word. So let me just finish by helping you with this acronym. And I thought this acronym would be really helpful because the acronym is SOAPY. And of course, we have to be washing our hands all the time. Uh, we should have been doing it in the first place, but even more, we're encouraged to wash our hands. So what does SOAPY mean? The S stands for Scripture. You'd be amazed if you just read the Bible. Just read it. Read it and even speak it out loud. Even write it out. Get a chapter and write it out. The O stands for observation. What do you see in the verses and the chapters you're reading? Who is the audience? What is the context? Is there a repetition of words? What words stand out to you? The the third thing, A, stands for application. This is when we make it personal. What is God saying to me and to you today? How can I apply it to my personal life? What action do I need to take? The fourth thing is to pray. Pray God's word back to him. If he's revealed something in that time, pray the word. Confess it. If he's revealed something, some sin in your life, confess that to him. And then finally, yield. Yield. The man who built his house upon solid rock was the one who heard the words of Jesus and put them into practice. And that's what we need to do. We need to do the stuff. Don't just go to, you just go to a restaurant, read the menu, and not order anything and eat the meal. We need to do both and. We need to yield and to put into practice what the Bible is telling us to do. Now in this pandemic season, one of the things we need to be doing constantly, if Jesus is truly the foundation of our lives, is invite people into relationship with him. And we love to run alpha courses. 
in this church. And this year we've taken Alpha online and it's just been fantastic. And we've got a couple of Alpha courses coming up. And so I'd love for us now to watch this film about our upcoming Alpha courses starting soon. Thank you.